Good to be sharing God's word with you again this morning, and I, uh, I pray you get a, a blessing from it today. And uh, I know this time of year, people are already starting to get a little bit t- tired um, in that we've had Christmas gatherings, we're organising things, we're already starting to eat a little bit too much, aren't we? Um, which tends to make us a little bit heavier and slower than we were a few weeks ago. But let's open up our bulbs this morning. To Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7, and we'll look at a, uh, a particular verse which has to do with our church covenant. As most of you know, we've been preaching or, or talking through the church covenant, which is the promise that we make to each other and to the Lord when we become members of, of Faith Baptist Church. And this uh, particular verse over here is, um, is linked to the next promise or part of the promise that we make. Now, Proverbs chapter 20. Verse 7 says, The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Okay? The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads in the word of prayer before we begin God's word. Shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your, your grace. We thank you for the wonderful salvation which was achieved by your grace and given to us by your grace simply by believing in who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, we pray this morning as we look into your word that we would understand it further, that we would learn of you, that we would learn to be more like you and that we would um, open up our hearts and our minds to its truth. Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit would once again be our teacher this morning. I pray that we would... um, uh, grow through the, the blessing of your word. We thank you so much for it. I pray that you use me this morning to be able to share this wonderful word which we have in our hands. And I pray that as we leave these doors today, that we would be more like our Lord and our Saviour in the things that we do, the words that we say, the thoughts that we keep in our minds. I pray that your name would be glorified both now and throughout the rest of the week until we meet again next week. Thank you once again in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a particular um, verse that, uh, or, or a section that we came up to as I was reading through the, the covenant, and it said, We also purpose to be faithful in our promises, faithful in our promises, and being examples in our conduct. I thought about these two points being faithful to our promises and being examples in our conduct. And it became very clear to me that these are almost two sides of the same coin. In a sense, because to be faithful in your promise simply means that you will fulfil what you said you will do. So in other words, to be faithful to a promise is to simply being or doing what you said you would do. While being an example in our conduct is simply doing what you say you believe. Okay, so one is, one is a verbal, a specific thing which says, I shall do such and such. That's a promise. And you do it. You follow it up. The other one says, I believe such and such. And your life then matches what you say you believe. So in a sense, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. To be faithful in our promises simply means that we'll carry out those things which we say that we will do. While being examples in our conduct means that we'll carry out those things in our lives which we say we believe. In essence, there is one word that integrates both of those thoughts together, and that's the word integrity. 
integrity. And if you look at the dictionary, integrity is defined in a certain way. And it says an unimpaired condition, soundness or wholeness. Another way of putting it, it says firm adherence to a code of moral values. So we speak of, of uh, integrity as honour and incorruptibility. Or there's a third uh, way, it says a quality or state of being complete and undivided. So there's a, a, a sense of completeness there. So when we speak of integrity from a biblical point of view, from the, when the Bible speaks of integrity, it can't be divorced from righteousness either. When we talk about integrity in the Bible, it has a lot to do with moral uprightness. In other words, living by God's standards as set out in God's word and being righteous in his eyes. It goes hand in hand with living a consistent spiritual life. Consistent spiritual life. Values found in the word of God. But there are aspects, and if we look at the definitions here, there are aspects that actually give it a lot more depth of meaning when you, when you look at the way the word integrity is, is applied to objects, other things. When we, say, when we speak of a rainforest, and we, say, uh, uh, the, we speak of the integrity of a rainforest, we can speak of the integrity of a computer database, that that database has integrity. When we speak of a defence system, we say a defence system can have integrity. A work of art can have integrity. When it applies to objects, integrity refers to wholeness or intactness, a completeness, a purity that goes along with it. And that, those meanings carry along with them the same message into when we speak of integrity from a biblical point of view as well. So when we say a rainforest has integrity, what we're saying is it hasn't been corrupted by development and other things have affected it. In other words, it's complete and it hasn't been changed. It is pure in its essence. When we speak of a computer database being having, or having integrity, what we're saying is it hasn't been corrupted by a virus. It hasn't been infiltrated by something else. It can be depended upon. When we speak of a defence system as having integrity, it means it hasn't been breached. So if you were in a castle and the, the walls of the castle were complete, you could say the walls of that castle, which were a defence system, have integrity. But as soon as there's a hole in one of the walls, it loses the integrity. A musical work is said to have integrity as well, a musical piece. In other words, it's consistent throughout. It doesn't have things that don't seem to fit in. So integrity speaks of completeness, purity, and, and, and in a sense it has something that hasn't been corrupted. It's whole and dependable. But the most important sense of the term integrity relates to a person's character. In other words, when we say that a person has integrity, we're saying their character is consistent. The way they live, this in the morning, in the evening, throughout the whole week, when they come to church, when they're out of church, is the same. It's dependable. It's, it's not corrupted. Today we will look at two aspects of integrity. Now going back to our verse, we'll look at the promises that we keep and the examples that we're meant to be in our lives. And they're outlined, interestingly, in our, in our covenant, but are emphasised in this particular verse that we looked at this morning. The just man... Okay, the just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. 
To walk in the Bible, when the Bible says, to, when, when it speaks of walking, it's basically referring to your character and your lifestyle. So the way I walk in my life is the way I live, is the way I am as a person. It applies in this particular case too. In this case, a lifestyle that we have declared that we shall live to one another is one where we shall fulfil all of our promises. Okay, so when we're speaking about keeping our promises, when I say I promise you this or I commit to this or I assure you of this, what we are saying or what we, when we speak of integrity, that we follow those things up and we do them. But it's not just when I say I promise you or I commit to you. In fact, when the Bible says that to live in integrity, even when I don't say I promise or I commit, it's simply when I say I will. When I say I will do this or that, living with integrity means I will follow up and actually do it. I don't say I will in any case without actually measuring what I've just said and following it up. Everything we say, if we live with integrity, we shall do. And we will follow through regardless of the cost. Living with integrity means that regardless of the cost, when you say you will do something, you do it, even if it costs you. It also means that when I say I am a Christian and that I believe the Bible to be true, that people would not only know what I say or what I say about what I believe, but more importantly, they see how I live it. That they learn about what I believe through how I live, not just by what I say. In every case, whether it's a promise I need to keep or an example I need to set, there is a price to pay. There is a cost associated with it. The price for living as a Christian in this world is the price of fulfilling your obligations as a Christian. I'll show you what I mean. Let me give you an example. $50 note. Does this have value? Anyone want it? That has value. Okay? Now, if I do this for you, And I throw it on the ground and I step on it. Okay? Does it still have value? Do you still want it? Why? It doesn't look the same. It's all. It's all. Ruined, isn't it? No. Integrity means that regardless of how it looks on the outside, how battered it actually is, integrity means that. It, the value of this thing remains. And that's what it means in life. Regardless of how battered and bruised and, and everything you have to go through in life, to be a person of integrity means that the value you started off with, you continue with. You don't shed your value. You don't shed your promises and your commitments and obligations because you've been through this. Integrity means you maintain your truthfulness. You maintain what you say you will do. 
The value remains no matter what the item looks on the outside, and it's the same with us. Now let's look at these two aspects this morning. I want to look at these two. Okay? There's nothing too complicated with the message today. Becoming a person of integrity means that we will, number one, be faithful in our promises. Be faithful in our promises. And it says in our thing, we purpose to be faithful in our promises. You know something? How many broken promises are there in the world? Not many. The world is full of broken promises. People break their promises every day. And from every broken promise in the world, there is a broken heart that goes along with it. Why? Because people rely on promises to live. We rely on promises in every aspect of our living. You know something? If I go to the bank and deposit $100 in the bank, the banks promise me that when I go back the next week, that $100 will be there for me to withdraw. Isn't there a promise associated with that? In everything in life, there are promises. If someone works for someone else, there is a promise that at the end of the week or end of a fortnight, you'll be paid. That's a promise. If there were no... If you, if People couldn't rely on promises, then everything breaks down completely. There is no peace, there is no assurance, there is no anything. But there are plenty of broken promises in the world. There are many promises that have been made at the altar between two people. Only to be broken down the track because of convenience. Remember what I showed you about that, that, that note? Things may have gotten rough. And people's integrity falls apart. There are many broken marriages and broken families with children because of broken promises. There are many promises made by politicians during election time. And then a few years later, people left scratching their heads as to those promises and where they ever went to. In the church, how many commitments and promises do we make to God, to ourselves, to people around us that we didn't keep. How many commitments have we made to God and to each other? How many lives that simply don't match what, with the pledge that was actually offered? Fulfilling our promises, though, is one of the most fundamental things about being a Christian. It is one of the most fundamental things. You might say, well, why is it so fundamental to being a Christian? You know something? It's so fundamental to being a Christian to keep your promises because God keeps every promise that he makes. That's why it's fundamental for us to be promise keepers. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he that is faithful, the promised. In other words... You can hold on to your faith. You can hold on to the promises of God because God is faithful. The one who made them is faithful and has integrity. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 also says the same. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The foundational reason... The main reason for why a Christian should be faithful in his promises is that our Heavenly Father is faithful in his. And 1 John chapter 2, verse 25 says, And this is the promise that he promised us, even eternal life. 
So God has promised his children eternal life. And we trust in that. We can meet. The only reason that we can meet together in this way is because God has shown himself to be faithful. When we look at the character of God in his word and throughout history, when we look at the life of Jesus Christ, and you examine it in all its, you know, in all its detail that we find in the Gospels, what you find there is a life of integrity. You find a life of faithfulness. What he said he would do, he did. And we can meet only because we trust that what he promised us, he will deliver. If he didn't trust it, what, what are we meeting here for? In other words, if we have no confidence that Jesus was not at this very moment sitting at the right hand of the Father in glory, if we have no confidence that Jesus has secured our salvation and is preparing a home for us, if we have no confidence that, we will, that he will one day return for us and bring us back with him into heaven, then we have no reason at all to meet. We have no reason even to be called Christians. We would lose our way and we would find other things to do on a Sunday morning. But we are blessed. We find blessing because of his integrity. The one we have chosen to follow. Do you understand the blessing that we receive because of his integrity? Have you appreciated that, that idea? We have hope today. We have assurance today. We have peace and confidence and a bright outlook on life. Not just today, but forever. We have that confidence because we trust him. Because he is a man of integrity. We can trust in the integrity of Jesus Christ. We benefit from his promises every day, even though he hasn't fulfilled all his promises yet. There are still some promises he hasn't given us yet, but we are looking forward to. But because we know he's fulfilled all the promises that he's, he's already made beforehand, we're waiting for the ones he's promised to us, specifically. That's what it means to be a blessing to other people. When you walk in integrity, you bless other people around you because they can depend on you. And that's what Jesus Christ did in his life. And that's what I trust him for now. Proverbs 27, verse 7 says, The just man walketh in his integrity. And then it says, His children are blessed after him. Why? Why his children blessed? If the man or the father he walks in his integrity, why are his children blessed? Because they can depend on dad. They can depend on their father. They can depend on his truthfulness, his faithfulness to his word. There is peace with integrity. You know that? When there is integrity around it, there is peace. Where there is no integrity, there are doubts. Over faithfulness. There cannot be peace. And it's not just the children of a father who walks with integrity that are blessed. In fact, everyone around that person who walks with integrity is blessed. Not just his family, but his friends, his colleagues, his, and the other extended people that he, has, he comes in contact with. You will bless not just your family if you walk with integrity, if you keep your promises, but you bless everyone else around you. 
And that's our dilemma. And that's our challenge. Sometimes we promise things from the very best of intentions, don't we? I'll do this for you. I'll do, I'll do that for you. But unfortunately, we don't always follow up on our promises. And we damage our integrity and our witness before others. And I speak this to myself as well, because I've made many promises in my life. I've told many people, I will do this, with the, at that time, having the, the best of intentions. And then, weeks and weeks have gone by, and possibly even months, and I haven't followed it up. That damages my integrity. And that damages them. Because it, what it does, it destroys the dependence, it destroys the trust. And people make promises for all types of reasons in this world. Some people make promises to get themselves elected. Some people make promises to get themselves out of a bad situation. You know, Some people might find themselves right back into a corner and they say, God, I promise you this and this if you get me out of this trouble. Or they'll promise their families if they save them from a particular predicament. I promise I'll do this if you just do this for me. Some make promises because they have love and concern for someone else. But I'm confident that our promises here are made for the better. Not just to get ourselves out of trouble. Not just to get ourselves elected or, or improve our positions in life. But even when promises are made with the best of intentions, a promise that is made and broken is worse than not making a promise at all. It's better not to have made the promise to begin with than to make the promise and break it, even if you have good intentions. The world is full of broken promises. Like I said to you, there's plenty of broken hearts out there and broken hearts in the church as well. People with expectations and people believing in the integrity of leaders and, and, and elders and all these you know, all the Christians. But as children of God, we should stand apart from this terrible cycle and this terrible example that's being set out there. We should be people who simply do what we speak. And the Bible says that we need to start learning to measure the promises that we make. Turn with me to Luke chapter 14. Look at verse 26 to 30. Luke chapter 14, verse 26 to 30 says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower... Sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest haply after he's laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. There's a very simple principle there. Jesus says, If you don't put me first, if you're not willing to put me first and then follow through on that, you can't be my disciple. 
if you don't measure, if you don't actually take an account or stock of what you can do and what you can't do, you may find yourself in a situation where you make a promise that you can't keep. Now that just doesn't, doesn't speak about being a disciple of the Lord. That speaks to every aspect of our lives. This principle applies everywhere. We should be careful about what we promise and we should be careful in our record keeping. Christians should be good accountants. Very good accountants when it comes to the promises we make to other people. In other words, we should have a list. Every time I say, I will do something, we should make sure we write that down and we make sure we tick it off at the end. We should be very bad accountants when it comes to people doing wrong to us. God doesn't call us to keep a wrong of everyone's, a, a, a list of everyone's wrongs against us. But God does tell us to keep a record of what we promise other people and make sure we fulfil them. And make sure that before we make the promise, we can or we do have the ability to be able to keep those promises. If, I were to, if you were this morning to take stock of the promises that you've made in your life, how many would you remember now? How many promises have you fulfilled? How many have you not fulfilled? How many have you still to achieve? You may be thinking, well, I haven't made that many commitments. I haven't made too many promises. But you actually have. We make promises every day without even realising it. Every time you say or have said, I will do this or I will do that, to your spouse, to your children, to your friends and colleagues, to people at church, and don't do it, you've made a promise. I recently, um, we went to a, uh, our, church, our, our work Christmas party the other night. And the Christmas party is an opportunity for us to catch up with people that we haven't seen for a while. And there is a particular um, uh, friend that we have, long time friend, his name is Lou. And Jeanette works with us, and, and I only get to see Lou, Jeanette's husband, at that Christmas party. And you know what we do at the end of the Christmas party? We've got to get together. And I say to him, we're going to organise to get together before we catch up again next year. You know what happens inevitably? Another year goes by and I see Lou at that same Christmas party. Now, I speak that to my shame. Because if I've made a commitment to catch up with him before, then I've failed in my commitment. I'd rather, it's better for me to say nothing than to say, yes, we're going to catch up and then not being able to do it. How many of those types of promises have we made? Our promises are empty if we don't give ourselves a time frame as well. An open-ended promise is an empty promise, isn't it? I'll do this. But then, you know, years and years can go by and you've got no time limit to what, when, you, when you have to do it. They're empty promises. How many men, how many promises have we made to our wives to fix this or fix that? To take care of something for them. Men are very good at promising. And then we keep putting those things in the back burner. We speak this to our shame because... Men often promise a lot and deliver sometimes very little. 
Our promises are empty if we don't fulfil them. And we break the trust. We need to be dependable. We need to be people that when we say something, people automatically think he's going to do it. Not they should automatically think I'm going to do when when you when we say I will do something, the thing at the back of their mind is saying, yeah, right. I'll believe it when I see it. If we're at that stage, then we're, we've got a bit of catching up to do. I know that as people, we are all, all very busy. We have a lot of things on our, on our plate. But you know what? The, 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 maybe the, the reason we have so many things on our plate that we have to catch up on are all those promises we've made that we're never catching up with. And we keep on making more and more promises as we go along. So we never catch up with them. Being faithful to keep our promises is fundamental to being a Christian. But we need to understand that every promise we make impacts those people around us. Saved, unsaved, families, friends, colleagues, even enemies. Our integrity hinges on our faithfulness to keep our promises. Let me read you just an example before we go to the, uh, the next thing. A fellow called Booker T. Washington describes a meeting that he had with an ex-slave. This is a while ago, okay? This is in America when, when, when Abraham Lincoln was around. He had describes a meeting with an ex-slave from Virginia in his book, Up From Slavery. And he says this about this ex-slave. I found that this man had made a contract with his master two or three years previous to the Emancipation Proclamation. In other words, when they declared that all slaves were free, Okay? To the effect that the slave was to be permitted to buy himself by paying so much per year for his body. And while he was paying for himself, he was, he was to be permitted to labour where and for whom he pleased. Let me explain something to you. A slave had an inherent worth to his master. In other words, he could complete, he had a value he set upon him. So this slave made an agreement with his master before the, all the slaves were freed to say, I'll pay for myself. If you let me go out and get a job, I, will, I promise I will pay you for X amount of years, so much money, which will then free me, I'll become a free citizen. And his master agreed to it. Okay? So his master said, All right, you can go as long as you agree to pay me X amount of dollars. Now he made this before the slaves were freed. So he goes on to say, finding that he could secure better wages in Ohio, he went there. When freedom came, he was still in debt to his master. Okay, So after two years, the emancipation of all the slaves came about, but he was still in debt $300. You know how much $300 was back in those days? A lot, a lot of money. And look at this. Notwithstanding that the Emancipation Proclamation freed him from any obligation to his master, this black man walked the greater portion of the distance back to where his old master lived in Virginia and placed the last dollar with interest in his hands. In talking to me about this, the man told me that he knew that he did not have to pay his debt, but that he had given his word to his master and his word he had never broken. He felt that he could, he could not enjoy his freedom till he had fulfilled his promise. Now, how many people would do that today? How many people, with the first opportunity to break a promise, look for an open door and, and run out of it in our society? We should take this as an example 
to ourselves or what it means to live with integrity and to follow up on a promise. Will you be found faithful in your promises? Will you commit this day to fulfil every promise that you have made because the Lord wants you and I to be people of integrity? Will you take some time this week to think about the people around you, your family, your friends, your children, your church, and the Lord himself, and list down those promises that you've made and begin to enact them? We need to pray that the Lord will give us the grace to fulfil our promises and our obligations. Do what is right. Let's fulfil the promises that we have made. There was a promise made a very long time ago. A promise to two remorseful and miserable souls who saw no hope in their situation. And it was made in a garden. And it was made that a promise was made to them and their children because they saw no hope for the future. They had no peace. And as impossible as that promise looked at being fulfilled, despite the best efforts of a particular entity bent on extinguishing that hope and that promise, a baby was born in a stable. A life was lived with integrity. A sacrifice was made on a cross. At all cost, the promise was faithfully kept. And now we, the children of those two miserable people in a garden, enjoy the benefits of that promise being kept. Today I'm asking you to follow in the footsteps of the one who is the one who keeps all his promises. Who gave all for us to fulfil that promise that was made right at the beginning. Let's be people of our word as our saviour is a person of his word. Let's be examples in our conduct, the next point. One of the greatest reasons that people cite for not becoming Christians or the fact that they don't hang around in church anymore is they believe that people in church are hypocrites. Don't they? I've heard that mentioned plenty of times. There are too many hypocrites in church. People who say one thing and do something else. Being a hypocrite means living differently to what you say you believe. But here is the beginning point of being an example in our conduct. For being an example means living in such a way that you can confidently say to those people around you, those people who are struggling, look at me. Look at my life. And if you're struggling, imitate me. The Apostle Paul had this confidence. He had it. He says, turn with me to 2 Thessalonians for a moment. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 7. He says, for you, for yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you, neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labour and travail, night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. 
not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. Listen to what Paul's saying here. Paul is saying, you ought to follow us. In other words, you guys should, imita- should begin to imitate us. We've behaved ourselves in an orderly way around you and we've worked hard to be a blessing to you. We're not a burden to you. And why did we do all this? So you understand that we're being an example to you about what God wants you to be. Not because we had no right, but because we wanted to be an example for you to follow. And he says to the Philippians as well, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us as an example. Many people believe that the pastor needs to be an example of what a Christian should be. Is that right? He needs to be a godly man. He needs to be, him and his, actually, his family as well, need to be a pattern, a pattern of godliness, love and right relationship with the Lord. Is that too much to us or your pastor? No. And that's true, but not entirely true. That's not the full truth, you see. Because the full truth is that God expects all of his children to be like that. Not just the pastor sitting at the front. God calls every one of us to be a pattern of godliness. And what's a pattern? A pattern is something you observe. You notice there's a recurrent theme running through it. There's a consistency in a pattern. A pattern isn't all over the place. A pattern has a mode to it. And a path that it follows. The truth of the matter is, we're all be, we've all been called to live lives that are worthy of imitation. We're called to live lives that are worthy of imitation. And if you aren't there yet, then you're called to be working your way there. If you don't consider yourself to be worthy of imitation, then are you at least trying to pattern your life after some other people who are worthy of imitation? Have you taken stock of the things that you need to improve upon and begin to form habits that become, that will become one day possibly things other people can imitate? You see, people learn best or people grow best by imitation. Our children, as they grow, guess what the best, guess where they learn most of their habits from? Their parents and by imitating the things that they do and the things that other people do. People learn and people grow by imitation. The question is this morning, will you be ready or are you ready to set yourself as an example for others? And if you're not ready to set yourself as an example for others to live by, let me tell you, there are plenty of other people out there who are setting themselves as examples for people to follow. The world offers our children, and indeed everyone else in this world, a plethora of examples of people that are groomed and displayed for all to admire and to copy. Whether they're rock stars, whether they're celebrities, whether they're people of power in this world, whether they're sports stars, or whatever, the world grooms and presents to the children of this generation people who they believe are worthy of imitation. Our world is full of imitation. From fashion to technology to culture, sports and religion, the people of this world crave 
something to follow, crave something to imitate. They falsely believe that these blind blind guides that are paraded before them in all their glory, photographed in glossy magazines and visible in cinemas and the TV, if they live like them, if they model themselves after them, that they will have what? Happiness in their life. If I was just more like that person, I'm going to model myself around that particular celebrity. They fail to understand that behind the scenes, those people are often the most miserable and wretched beings in this world. And what the media seeks to portray in front of us, they never show us really what's happening, the depth of despair that's happening in the background. These poor, miserable souls that have sought fame and fortune as their God always inevitably plummet down and crash and burn in their lives. You see, they are the puppets that the world uses to promise fulfilment and happiness. But in the end, it only leads to heartache and disappointment. The world will promise you much today, but delivers only death and disappointment. Sin is the flavour of the month and the path of sin is ruin. And death. But we have something the world desperately needs. We have something that we can offer the world that the world does not understand at this particular point. A life that cannot be perceived until it is actually received. We simply need to live lives which match our doctrine, to be examples of what we preach. C.H. Spurgeon once said, A man's life is always more forcible than his speech. A man's life is always more forcible than his speech. When men take stock of him, they reckon his deeds as dollars and his words as pennies. In his life and doc- if his life and doctrine disagree, the mass of onlookers accept his practice and reject his preaching. You can say all you want about what you believe, and what you say we should be doing. and what If your life does not match up to what you say, you're not living a life of example, and they will ignore us as people, as Christians. Will you be the example in lifestyle the Lord has called you to be? Will you take a, are you willing this morning to take a good, hard look at yourself and seek to be an example to those people around us? Don't get me wrong, we all have areas we can improve on. But if we challenge ourselves this morning that we will live lives worthy of imitation, if I say to myself this morning, I want to be the model on which people can look at and say, that's a Christian. I want the happiness, the joy, the peace and the security and the life that that person has then we are more likely to reach our destination than if we say, oh, I'll get there one day. We should be seeking to be examples, not only in the world, but in church as well. Our lives can influence the lost around us and the weak among us if we would choose today to be examples in our church, examples to the lost, examples to this generation. We have have not been called to live our Christian lives in isolation. 
We've been called to live our lives as lights set upon a hill, not hidden. And you know, when you're willing to live your Christianity in front, out in the open, to live a life consistent when you come in here, when you're at work, and when you're with your family, you will have the greatest impact on those people around you. If you commit to being an example today, you are saying that you are prepared to live your life in such a way that you are happy for your light to be set and to be seen. Listen to First Peter as we close. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation, that is your lifestyle, honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. We are called to live lives that are so godly, that are so different, that are so pure and with integrity, that even though they may accuse us of being Christians and being stupid or whatever else they want to say, the idea is that they shouldn't be able to point and say, I don't want to be Christian because of that person. Years ago, the communist government in China commissioned an author to write a biography of Hudson Taylor, mind you, with the purpose of distorting the facts and presenting him in a bad light. Now, Hudson Taylor was a missionary in China. And the, government, the atheistic government, the communist government, wanted to write a book about him so they could share it out with everyone to destroy the man's reputation, to show people that it's not worth to become a Christian. You see, he was converting too many people. They wanted to discredit the name of this consecrated missionary of the gospel. As the author was going around doing his research, he was increasingly impressed by Taylor's saintly character and godly life. So much so that he found it difficult to do his job when he saw the lifestyle, when he saw what Hudson Taylor actually did in his life. He couldn't do it anymore with a clear conscience. Eventually, at the risk of losing his life, he put aside his pen, renounced his atheism, and he received Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. Never met the guy. Only by the testimony of other people that he spoke to. Now let me tell you, let me ask you this morning, will you be that example that God wants you to be. When people go around after your life and, and get testimonies of people around you who have been influenced by you, will you be found to be a person of integrity and a great example of what it means to be a Christian? We don't realise how, how short the time is. We don't realise how much our lives can impact those people around us. Let's not throw away our lives by throwing away our integrity. The goal this morning is a life of integrity. The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. We've been blessed because we've received salvation through Jesus Christ this morning. The greatest impact you can have in this world is to live for Jesus Christ. 
And if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, I'll tell you now, he is the most trustworthy person in all of history. There is no one you can trust more than him for your eternal destiny in your soul. He is the one who went to Calvary for you and me. He paid for my sins. And all he asks is that we put our trust in him. If you haven't trusted him this morning, don't leave this place without doing it. There is no greater life in this world. Indeed, there is no life without him. God bless you. Thank you.